0: Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here at BearCatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. Big show today, but first, make sure if you're watching the Bearcats in the AAC tournament. You get down to the Holy Grail. They've got everything socially distanced. Get yourself a table, a bucket of beers, and watch the Bearcats run through the American Athletic Conference tournament this week, downtown at the banks at the Holy Grail. All right, let's get to it. We've got Justin Berg coming up in a little bit to preview the american athletic conference tournament but i told berg he'd have to take a back seat this week uh because we've got a little bit of a, an important guest here to start the show off none other than the head man of the cincinnati bearcats head football pro, or none other than the head of the cincinnati bearcats football program luke fickle i got that right finally took a, a an extra try coach uh, fresh out of some some meetings with your academic advisors is, is school going okay are you you're, you're, you're making the grade, you're eligible for the, uh, for spring football. Well,
1: it's a good thing that they don't uh, have to follow my, me and my academic progress. Former uh, <laughs> D lineman. Um, there wasn't a whole lot for us guys, you know, a gap, B gap, C gap. So they didn't have a <laughs> great expectation for us uh, outside of, you know, holding some double teams and trying to, to beat up some, uh, some big guys up front. So academically, <laughs> you know, as long as we were eligible, it uh, you know, we were okay. So we're in a good place.
0: That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Uh, let, let's go back uh, October 10th, 2016. You, you made me miss something that day, by the way. Do you know what day that is? No, you're going to have to help me. I'm a It's the day of your introductory press conference. Oh, okay. I, I was supposed to be at Henkel Fieldhouse. Okay. Watching the Bearcats take on Butler. Uh, I, fortunately, I didn't go. Uh, as we've learned around town over the past, couple, beating Butler is very difficult. Um, <laughs> I think that's twice, right? In the uh, last- uh, just once, but it was an important one. It's an important one across town. Um, December 10th, 2016, fast forward five years for four plus years. Is this thing where you had envisioned you would be able to get it over those first four seasons? Well, I mean, it's never quite where you want it,
1: but um, I think not always just on the football field, but all of the other things uh, is in a really, really good place. And I mean that just with, you know, the kind of the culture, the atmosphere, the the environment that you really wanted to create that, you know, sometimes you don't realize because you've never done it, because I had never done it, uh, how long and how difficult that is. And, uh, you know, you have turnovers and different things like that, whether they're players, whether they're coaches. So I think that sometimes you can get sidetracked by just looking at records to say, you know, hey, is this what you wanted? You wanted to win a championship. That's what you said. Yeah. But I think that even ahead of the championship, the way the kind of culture, environment, atmosphere has grown uh, and shaped um, maybe even faster or better um, than I would have ever thought now. You know, that's after probably after year one, because after year one, I thought, right. "Why wow, this was? This was I didn't realize it was going to be that hard, or <laughs> that hard, as it is." Um, but I, you know, to to be where we are as a, you know, as a coaching staff, um, be where we are as a, you know, just an, an environment culture, um, I think is a really really good place, and and I think it bodes well for us to continue to grow and to get to where we ultimately want to be.
0: I think this is an important question because I don't think a lot of people have really asked it. Uh, you've got a couple of them that decided to come back, but for the most part, the, the guys that you inherited from the previous staff have moved through the program. Uh, how important was getting that buy-in looking back now from all of those guys because it felt like every year there was a new group of two or three or four of those guys uh, that had been, that were here when you got here. That, that started to take ownership that really helped push this thing over the top.
1: It, it's, it's incredibly important. And, you know, as we all know, you know, whatever the buzzword of culture, it's, it never is like stagnant. It's not going to, all of a sudden you got a culture and it's going to, Hey, we've got it made now. No, it's always kind of evolving and changing. Um, so, you know, to say that you had to win or whatever with those guys, it, it's year in and year out. Um I think the most difficult thing, and I think I've said it before, was when you inherit guys. I don't know if you really know where they come from. So, do you really know them deep down inside? You know, you don't know their families. You haven't sat in their homes. So, it was, as I found out, always a little bit more difficult to kind of really build that relationship um, to know, because you know, buy-in can be can be masked just because you win. But to see, you know, the truly forming atmosphere environment um buy-in of all around it, everything that you do uh, you know you to you got to really know the people to kind of see if it really is hitting home if it's really kind of what we like to say engraved in their heart or just something that they're living out while they're here so I think and I truly believe that you know where there are some of these guys that came back for a for an extra year maybe those guys that we never got to sit in their homes and you know the Curtis Brooks and the the Marcus Browns and the joel de Blancos of the world that unfortunately you never got that opportunity but you know in order to make that sixth year you know deep down inside they've engraved the things that uh, that mean the most to this uh, program into their heart
0: this is uh your first year with a coordinator change um has it maybe been a good thing to to kind of change your mindset and, and get you thinking a little bit differently instead of just you know hey you know, throw this to Marcus and let him figure it out? Has is, is it been a good thing maybe in some ways for you? I think what I learned again after year one,
1: that all changes can be a good thing for our program. And not that we want to lose anybody. You know, there's obviously we've lost a lot of great coaches. Um, but I think each and every time we've gotten better. And, and it's because of the things like that. Like you're saying, a new perspective, a different idea, a different way of seeing things um, is really important. And I think that's one of the things we've got going here that, you know, they're, you know, you're not having massive turnover, hopefully, but those turnovers give you an opportunity to you know get a different perspective, to give you something maybe you didn't have. And, you know, going into year five in your program, you start to recognize a lot more things that you don't have. And when you make those changes or have those changes, you can kind of address those issues. Uh, so coordinator wise, it's been, it's been, you know, different and new, but I, think it's been something that you know has helped is going to help me grow and I think it's going to give our kids
0: uh, and our defense a chance to grow as well How has Mike Trestle hit the ground running uh, and are you excited to get him out there in the spring and, and watch him leading those guys oh yeah
1: no I, I think that you know it, it's great to see that you know the the excitement too that a new guy has um, you know Mike had been one place for a, a really long time he, he was a lot like right. what I was you know one place for 14 years and I'm not saying that it, it gets stale or it gets stagnant, but any time that, you know, that, that you get thrust into a new situation, um, I think it gives you a little bit of, uh, of a different perspective, a different life, even on his end. So his energy and some different things and, and little different ways of doing things, I think it's going to be a great benefit to all of us.
0: How, if at all, did the 2020 season change how you operate the program, coaching, time management, practice, recovery, how much of that do you take maybe and look at and say, Hey, this is something we can maybe use going forward and, you know, turn what was a really difficult year into a positive. Well, I mean, I think we did. I mean, and I'm not saying that we're going to
1: ever continue to do zoom things. (laughs) I think think some external things um, it gives you an opportunity to do. Uh, I think our business is so related to, to relationships that, you know, I don't believe that, you know, I can build as good of a relationship doing it this way. But I think that uh, what we did realize is we have the ability to adapt and adjust. I think this has brought us as a program and a team and even a coaching staff closer together because we had to rely upon each other. We had to, you know, have a little bit more um, trust in in guys doing what they need to do in in different ways. Um, But I think with our players in particular, that, they didn't have nearly as much social interaction outside of, so to speak, our bubble the whole season. So, our coaching staff was their social interaction. So, to have some of that time that we were able to spend with them, uh, I think gave us a, a better connection, a greater connection, uh, and it also challenged us differently. When when you're when you're thrown into adverse situations, you learn a lot more about people, and that's probably the greatest thing I can say about the last the last year is. Everybody went through a really adverse situation, and I hope and believe, I know we did, uh, learned a lot more about every one of us, whether it's myself, every one of our coaches, or every one of our kids about, you know, what it's going to be like when they really get kind of backed into a wall and got to be able to adjust and, and adapt.
0: What's the biggest challenge in moving from good to really good to great? Complacency starts
1: with you know, and, and first is what is your expectation, you know, and, and that's why you know, you say, well, is the program where you want it to be? No, no, it never will be where we want it to be. That's just the reality behind, you know, always wanting to push, always trying to say we're never going to be satisfied with where we are. Um, so I think that, you know, we've said it now for a couple of years, you know, it, it's sometimes more difficult to continue to grow and push yourself, uh, when you're getting a lot of praise, when you're getting patted on the back, when you're getting told that, hey, you guys are doing a great job, as opposed to, you know, hey, you guys aren't doing a good job. And, and you know, these guys aren't very good and, and you're underachieving. I think, you know, you got to be able to use whatever the motivations, you know, that are out there um, to keep you hungry. And sometimes the complacency uh, can be the biggest enemy of becoming great.
0: Target's probably never been bigger on you guys. You are now at the top of the conference. You're you're conference champions. You played in a a memorable New Year's Six Bowl game. Didn't get the outcome you want, but left the nation talking. What do you do to embrace that target now and and use that as fuel? I mean, that's the next step, right? Yeah. No, I mean, we could still use
1: all of last year. as You know, we had unfinished unfinished business, and, you know, we were in the hunt, um, but – In order to beat the best, you got to, you know, you got to go play them. And that was Memphis. And so the tides are turned a little bit. I don't know that they're all that different. Uh, It's still going to come down to leadership. It's still going to come down to, you know, what is the, what is the real expectation um, of the program? And everybody knows it's to win and it's to win championships, but can you have that expectation of what it takes every day? uh, Even if you are, so to speak, the lead dog and, we all know that have ever been there, and I've been fortunate enough, just because you know of where I was for a long time, to kind of be that you know one that the that was had the expectations and and had to learn at a at a younger age, whether it was as a player, or as a coach, uh, how much more difficult it can be, you know, to continue to motivate and find ways to improve when some might say you you're you're either the best in your league or the best around. So I, I think we really are going to kind of rely even more so into this fifth year on that intrinsic motivation, um, of really changing, not just an expectation, but a mindset of, of all that we want.
0: Intrinsic motor motivation, put that on a t-shirt, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's what some of the best have. And,
0: uh, <laughs> if I try and tell
1: them, if you want to go play at the next level, you better have an incredible intrinsic motivation. They aren't doing videos and, Different things and probably <laughs> give you a lot of speeches to get you fired up. They, they pay you a, a salary and say, if you don't perform, then uh, this is the real world.
0: As we get looking towards the spring, I do want you to take me back the two weeks after the Peach Bowl. You're recruiting guys to stay, um, or re- not necessarily recruiting them to stay, but going in and, and talking to guys and their families about the decisions and, and, and that they're making, what's best for them. How many of those guys surprised you by coming back, and uh, how how was that for you going around and and having these conversations about staying, leaving pro prospects, and uh, talking to a lot of guys that look like you know they've got a pretty good chance to see their names called, uh, either this year or next year on draft deck?
1: Well, I, I think this is what you always wanted, this is what you envisioned about, you know, having a top 10, top 15 program that, you know, it's not going to be because you think you're the greatest coach in the world or you've got the greatest staff, nor is it because you've got some great players. And whether you recruited them or developed them, it doesn't matter. You know, we know we can't have success without them. So we're, we've gotten to a place and a point where, you know what, these are the great conversations you want to have. You don't want to lose a James Hudson. You want to have him for another year. But I mean, if, if that's the case, then maybe he didn't have the year that he should have and he wouldn't have the opportunities that he, that he has. Um, but I think that it's, you know, I would kind of look at it as a very positive thing and and yes, that was right when the bowl game ended. Um, it was, Hey, we, I, we've got to go recruit our own and I don't want to talk them into stand, but we've got to find out where they are, find out the things that are, that, that, you know, help them make the educated decision and, uh, you know, pay for what's best for them, but also, you know, a little bit of what's best for the program as well. And, uh, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Today's world and today's day and age and, you know, even the season that, that, you know, that we had, whether it was, you know, the success or winning a championship or, you know, even the COVID stuff, um, I would have probably told you that, that most guys that had an opportunity to, to go to the next level would have taken it. And not only did we have, you know, two of the three kind of juniors um, they really had probably any opportunity they wanted to come back, but also you had six, you know, guys that were seniors that, you know, really, really love you know, what's going on, what, what the environment's like, and, and uh, feel like they can be a lot better at whatever it is they want to do because of another year here.
0: How was the the smile on Luke Fickle's face when Des Ritter said, "Coach, I'm coming back." <laughs> well, let's be honest. Now
1: we're an offensive line driven program. Uh, but the greatest thing you can get is when your uh, quarterback tells you, especially a great quarterback like Des, that uh, he's coming back for another year. Um, But in, in my way too, I sometimes don't want, don't let yourself smile. Now all of a sudden I flipped the switch and called the coaches and said, you know what, Des is coming back, but all he's doing and all he's saying is he's putting more pressure on us because what we did last year wasn't enough for him and he wants to do more. So, you know, those,
0: mind games that
1: you got to do, you know, not just to motivate everybody else, but also to motivate yourself sometimes.
0: Well, one of the most interesting questions in spring football. I think we're safe to say we know who QB1 is uh, going into spring this year. QB2, a big question. Evan Prater will be here. Uh, Brady Lichtenberg will be coming in. Uh, where is your mind at on on QB2, not only as a backup for Des this year, but, the long-term future of the program. Cause that, that spot is next.
1: This, this is going to be something that I think, not that you didn't always have to navigate in college football, but I think it's going to become even more difficult to navigate in college football um, because of transfers, because of those situations, we know that the quarterback is the most unique situation. There's one guy plays and that's what it is. Uh, we know it's a, a developmental position in most places, in most cases, uh, so you know with with us being down numbers it's very difficult for us you know I thought we were going to have a really good competition in the spring even when Ben left you know we kind of foreseen that and had talked about that and you know happy really for Ben but even going into the spring we really believed that it was going to be quite a battle to see who you know who would be the backup and uh, I, I don't know that anybody had a lead to be honest with you but now it's a little bit different and um, you know, I still believe that there'll be a lot of hopefully pressure on Evan Prater, Uh, not just pressure to perform, but also pressure that, you know, there's a young guy or so coming in that, you know, wants to be where he is and is going to do everything they can to get there. And that's you know what we need in general to make yourself great. I mean, the greatest thing Desmond Ritter has and the greatest thing that he's had is competition. And the last thing you want for even a guy like Evan Prater who, I believe has some of that intrinsic motivation is just to hand him the position of backup quarterback, you know, and say, hey, next year, you know, is your time. That right that doesn't do well for anybody. Um, so as a coach that we got to do a really a good job at creating that competition and making it challenges um, to all those guys who are gonna be behind or 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 in that position that's not Desmond Ritter.
0: Evan will get a lot of reps this spring. <laughs> <laughs> If his arm doesn't fall off, we'll be in, we'll be in good shape. But uh, by the end of spring, he should he should need a, a quite a break. Uh, offensive line driven program, we saw the benefit of two all conference tackles in, in twenty twenty. How does that tackle position shape up as we head into spring? No, well, I, I think
1: that that's the the one spot that. Uh, you know, because of the the play that we've had there in the last few years, we go back to Dino Boyd as well. And we've been, we've been very fortunate um, in those positions, whether they're guys only been there for one year or not uh, to, to hit some home runs there. And um, so I I think we've got some good depth up there. I I know moving, um, you know, some guys around a little bit is is probably going to be the challenge to see, you know, who, who can best fit out there and can play out there. Um, you know, along with some newcomers as well, but I, that's going to be the, the spot. I think we've got depth of the offensive line. We don't have as much experience at the guys playing tackle position, and that'll be a big deal through this, this entire spring. And they'll be challenged, too, because that defense isn't bad. And uh, they're okay. So, so, so they'll challenge those guys. So we'll find, out, uh, we'll find out what we've got.
0: What name should we keep an eye on? We know John Williams kind of made a splash for himself as a freshman. Um, we know James Tunstall came in as a transfer. Oh, yeah. What other names should we keep an eye on at tackle as we go into the spring? So
1: we we've slid Dylan O'Quinn out there who was our starting guard last year. And, uh, Dylan is a very athletic inside guy that, you know, I think can do a really good job on the edge. Um, obviously you said Tunstall and, and, and John Williams has been a guy that we've targeted to think he's, he's got a really bright future, um, and play in any position, but he'll, he'll be a guy that's filling in and playing at the tackle position for us. And then that's where we got to continue to develop guys. And uh, Cam Jones has finally moved and he's from quarterback to tight end to, to offensive tackle. He's about six foot eight, about uh, three Oh five already. And, uh, is going to be a you know, really good uh, project, so to speak, and, and maybe not thrust into the, into the mix as quick, but, um, he's going to get a ton of reps. And then obviously Mets has played it a bunch, but right now we just slid Mets inside uh,
0: the place to play guard. That's a, that's a large guard.
1: That is a really large guard. And uh, <laughs> so I, I think it can be a really good thing. Um, you know, like I said, we've got some depth inside, but by moving Dylan O'Quinn outside, I think it's going to be a really give a great opportunity maybe for Mets to, to play inside a little more.
0: And you've got, a lot of options at guard. I mean, that's a position where, uh, the depth has really started to stack pretty nicely.
1: Yeah. I mean, with, with Vinny coming back, uh, and coop, um, back last year, but I, I coop just was not, Jeremy Cooper was not quite himself all last year. I know, uh, the knee injury. And then I think the layoff through the, you know, so to speak COVID, but coming off of an injury, uh, was not, uh, as easy for, for, for Jonathan Cooper. And, uh, I think that um, I think that right now, from what we've seen, I think he is in a much better place and uh, is back to where we he was as a redshirt freshman when he was starting, and is going to be, I think, a force uh, inside for us.
0: Center Jake Renfro solidified himself as a as a stud freshman, and I have you ever seen that video of us from from signing day?
1: <laughs> I think maybe you sent it to me again. Uh huh. Maybe I wasn't
0: ever going to uh, give you. And now, I mean, Uh, I know. Had had
1: Jacory still been, he might have been a guard. He might have (laughs) been,
0: but But, uh, behind him, uh, what's the plan right now to back up Jake Renfro?
1: We don't know. I mean, that that's where you know, with with losing Jakari and then losing Hummel in the last uh, week or so, I think that you know, we've we've got some options. You know, Woodside has played in there a little bit. We've tried Coop in there a little bit at times, Um, but we're going to have to kind of. You know, go through the spring here and, and give some guys some opportunities and, and see where we are. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's not just, you know, as easy as people think, you just throw a guy in there at center. That, that's pretty key and pretty critical to get that snap back in a good position and, and uh, you know, kind of be the anchor of all that we're doing. But it might be – you might have to move some people around right now to try to find out who that next best guy is going to be uh,
0: to be able to play in that position. Did you ever teach Landon how to snap? <laughs> Uh, that's
1: just by fire, so he'll. Uh, a lot of those guys, he'll learn uh, pretty quick. He might be snapping cows right now, but um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to develop and, and find somebody because you know it's a it's a tough position, it's a nasty position in there, and as we've seen, you know it's hard to keep one uh, the whole the whole year. So we're gonna need some some other guys. The, the story
0: of the season would have been a lot different if you didn't have an answer when Jakari went down. And if you didn't have an answer when Renfro was sick and couldn't make it to the peach bowl, um, wide receiver, we, we had a much different conversation about that wide receiver room, uh, at this time a year ago. And, uh, you have to feel pretty good now about the depth that's established, uh, about the guys at the top of your roster, especially Michael Young, Alec Pierce. Um, you've got a bunch of, of options in the slot, uh, Impressive what your staff was able to do in one year and one off season to turn what was a little bit of a question mark into a strength.
1: No, there's no group I think that kind of, you know, kind of flipped some things and really, you know, turned it around as much as they did. And it it helps when you you know you bring a guy with maturity in like uh, like Michael Young or even Jordan Jones who who you know yeah. had his moments and had some times you you know was. didn't get a whole lot of opportunities early between being quarantined a few times in different situations. So he got thrown in the mix, but uh, definitely gave us some depth and and created some competition and uh, you know, Trey Tucker coming on and and the the young kids from last year are going to uh, really have an opportunity to to be big time players and uh, are doing nothing but continue to grow. So the depth there, the ability to kind of move some guys around interchangeable I think that it's gone from you know the first few years of being you know, maybe one of the spots that stood out a little bit of the, hey we need to we need to overhaul to one of the deeper spots you know even in the on the team right now.
0: Tight end, uh, I don't like to give a lot of credit to Wiley. Uh, we have a, a longstanding rivalry, him and I. <laughs> uh, but but Lenny and Josh uh, give you a, a an incredible amount of talent at the top of that tight end room. There's
1: no doubt. I mean, we know we want to play with those guys on the field. We play with a lot oh. more. So, you know, two tight ends on the field and, and we won't stop. I mean, whether you go back from Josiah to you know, even last year with Bruno and those guys, it was hard to get them all in the field. Um, we are very top heavy with, with those guys. And then we're going to have to develop some young guys because, you know, hoping and, you know, those guys could have really good seasons. And next thing you know, you're, you're standing there with, with not a very deep tight end group. So, uh, there's some young guys that got to learn fast, um, got to be thrown into the fire, and and hopefully don't get a whole lot of game opportunities because those other guys are are so good, uh, and you can't you know take them off the football field. But somebody's going to have to be ready because you know the top of that that group to the bottom of that group, uh, there's a big difference in you know just even the years that they've been around here and know what they're doing.
0: Finally, at running back, Jerome Ford gives you a guy with. As we saw in the Peach Bowl, uh, a lot of explosion. He's a home run hitter, but there's a lot. You know, there's questions behind him. We've seen a little bit of Ryan Montgomery. We, we've seen a little bit of that group of guys behind him. But this is a big spring for that running back room to kind of step up, up for somebody to to be that guy next to Jerome, right? There's no, I mean, and,
1: and it's a big, it's a big spring for Jerome too because yeah. it's different when you're when you're a guy that you know kind of doesn't have to be the guy to start with you know kind of the guy that you know comes in as a change up guy that that he was with with dokes and some of those guys and um you know so sometimes you start to say okay what are they going to be like when you know when when they're the guy so to speak and you know as of now i've I've seen a maturity level uh and attention to detail on a lot of things in jerome uh, that i didn't even see last year so you know obviously going in a really really good direction because we've had such good leadership in that room for so long, whether it was Mike Warren or Jared Dokes, now he's kind of thrust into that position. You know, Charles McClellan is going to be coming off of another injury, hoping and believing he's such a you know freaky athlete that you know he'll he'll be back fine. It's just you know it's happened to him twice now in, in two years, and and uh, you know makes it difficult on him to continue to grow. But so he's he's kind of a little bit of a question mark. I wouldn't say that Ryan and and Ethan are as much of a question mark only because the way they play the game. We haven't seen them a ton at tailback, but I'm telling you that they could start at a lot of different positions. And, uh, you know, at times, I, you know, we've we've talked about moving them a couple times, but, you know, we can't do that because, you know, you got to have tailbacks and and you're going to need multiple guys at that position in
0: particular. Well, Denbrock last year getting him a couple plays was like like licking your food and then like putting it back on the table and daring somebody else to eat it. Yeah, he knew. I, yeah, he did. And I think he, he might have done that
1: a little bit because maybe somebody in the program might have moved him to a different position had they not seen him playing at all. So you know, <laughs> I don't know if that was strategically done, but uh, it was a good move. Let's just say that.
0: Uh, let's go to defense, offensive, defensive line driven program. You are a defensive line guy. That's gotta be a fun room to walk in and go, Oh, uh, we we got, we got a little bit of talent here, uh, that places like Cincinnati generally don't have on the defensive line. So they give us
1: a lot of options and, and, you know, we've played much more three down front in the last year and a half. And, uh, Sometimes that you look at yourself and say, "Hold on now," when you've got six of those guys, or so seven, maybe that you feel like are in the top eleven guys on your team, you, you got to play a little bit more, a few more of them on the football field. So, we, we've got some decisions to make, and that's why sometimes it's a, you know, it's good to have some other, you know, eyes or some some other, um, you know, voices and, and you know opinions from new people coming in. Uh, but it, it does that that room has given us some depth with marcus brown and, and curtis brooks both coming back for another year um you know the addition of juan briggs you know just gives you you know a lot of flexibility in what it is that you want to do
0: how excited are you to see briggs get out there and and show what he can do against your guys in spring practice that's a large human
1: it, it is it and we saw you know he got to come over and, and practice like two days and in, uh, in bowl practice. Now we, we really didn't do anything. He didn't know much of what we were doing. Uh, but I think just, just you're, I'm excited about it. Yes. To see him play, but I've been so excited to see how he's kind of gelled and meshed and bonded with that, with that room, because, you know, sometimes a selfish room could see a guy like that walk in the door and not embrace him and not kind of, you know, bring him into the group because you know, they're competitive as hell and, and that's going to take reps from somebody. But I think they understand the the bigger picture. No matter what, we're only as good as, you know, the the ability that we have to play four to six A to B. And as a defensive lineman, if you play 75 snaps, you can't play that way, you know, all of them. So we know we've got to be able to play. I think those guys understand that as well. And I think it's going to be another
0: big spring as well as year. One of the biggest things in football now is getting after the quarterback. Have to be excited to know that Maje is back for that fourth season to get to see his development?
1: There's no doubt. I mean, he is an electric guy. Um, He would have, he'll he'll play for a long time, uh, even at the next level, because he's got some versatility that he's not just a pass rush guy. And that's what people haven't had an opportunity to see. Uh, It's our job to be able to give him some of those chances to show, you know, not just our league, but also the entire country or the, the guys at the next level um, all of the different things he can do with his ability. And uh, so he, he gives us a lot of flexibility. He makes a lot of plays. You know, we, we really even kind of, you know, design things around giving him some freedoms because he's such a natural football player that, uh, that has in- instincts to find, a, to find the ball.
0: Greg Scruggs in his first year, uh, you took a chance on a guy that didn't have any coaching experience uh, on the field but had a great relationship with your guys in his spot from player development. Uh, what would your assessment of his first year as defensive line coach be? He'd probably get a pretty good grade, right?
1: <laughs> well, we evaluate guys on do their, do their, does their group and do their individuals player perform above their God given talents. And uh, I tell you that that group has definitely done that, and, you know, not because they're not talented, but because, you know, they got a love and a passion for not just playing the game, but for the people around them and especially their coach. And um, he is a a true asset to have, um, you know, even as he grows, so to speak, as, as a coach, uh, he's played the game. He's played the game at the highest level. He's played that position. uh, He knows there's not one way of doing it. uh, And he's so humble uh, to be able to see the big picture and different ways of doing it, that, that a lot of great players, probably aren't. You know, that's why I said I had a chance to coach the D D-line because I wasn't good enough to think that my way was the only way that uh, I had to rely upon tricks and different things. Uh, He's a guy that obviously his way was good enough and, and played a long time, but still has that humility and intelligence to understand that there's some different ways of doing it. And as a young coach, that's really, really unique.
0: We say we think you can take everybody wrestling on this team. Could you take Scruggs?
1: Oh yeah, he doesn't. He, Just he's technique. A he, yeah. yeah, we're not going to get into a strength battle or anything now. We finally, <laughs> got to weight room working out, you know. So we might we might need to make that a longer match, <laughs> but multiple pinfalls. Yeah, we we we, we still know <laughs> where our rank zones are, um, and that's one at least I feel com- confident with. But we'll let him work his way up the ladder. We'll let him try hitch first before he ever gets a chance. Okay, to the the title is what I tell him.
0: <laughs> linebacker Mike Trestle steps in Darian Beavers is back Joel DeBlanco is back uh Pony Boy has become a stallion uh <laughs> Ty Van Fossen, uh stepping into that role and you've got the uh the three amigos the three young guns uh, looking to move up the ladder as well you've got some freshman talent there coming in feel pretty good about the linebacker group as a whole right
1: we do I mean it's it, uh you know, sometimes even those guys coming back make it more difficult on the young guys because you've I'm not going to say got too much, but you got a lot of experience there. And sometimes the guys that don't benefit are the young guys because they don't get thrust into some of those situations. Um, but it's going to create a lot of competition. I think we've got a lots and lots of experience. And I think the thing that we've got more than we've ever had here is size. And in that room in particular, whether it's Beavers or Joel, or or tie i mean just the length and size that are that is in that linebacker room and, and going to continue to be in that linebacker room because even you know obviously the three amigos with gene david and, and pace uh, with the other guys coming in as well there's going to be a lot of length and a lot of size um, that uh, really help you out in the long run
0: not to take anything away from those guys but harry and, and Jarrell were not your prototype linebackers. They they made a ton of plays. No, yeah. everything you ever could have asked for, but they they, they they're not what you see uh, at places like the level you want to compete.
1: Yeah, and, and and just some some of those things, and some of the ways we're playing now. <clears throat> when you're playing with some of those three down stuff, you know those, those inside guys almost become glorified D linemen at times. So to have some more size and length um, is going to give you you know a greater asset when you're playing a four down and you're just taking that. Perry young and sticking him behind a three technique and a six technique and covering him up all the time and letting him run. Yeah. It, it, you know, I think that those guys, you know, can do a really, really, really good job, but we play a little bit different and in order to play a little bit different, you know, some, some more size and length, um, is a little bit more necessary for us.
0: Secondary. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe there's a position group better than what you have at the defensive line, but, uh, when you get to the cornerbacks, you've got what's considered one of the top three cornerbacks in all of college college football in Ahmad Gardner. You've got Kobe Bryant back, uh, who had a phenomenal fourth season, uh, had a phenomenal first senior year. Let's put it like that. <laughs> uh, you, you've got Arquan Bush, who put up his, his grading numbers on Pro Football Focus were amazing. And you've got, again, a boatload of young guys looking to crack the field behind them.
1: No, we, we do. And and I think that, you know, what, what you hot got there more than anything is is Kobe's leadership. And I think, you know, obviously Coach Perry uh, has done a great job in, in really kind of build a relationship with those guys. But, you know, for four years now, um, and in particular, the last two for sure, uh, Kobe has been an incredible leader for us. He's such a competitor that I don't think even um, a mod would be who he is and where he is. Right now, already, if he didn't have a guy in that room like Kobe that that really kind of made him compete and pushed him every single day Um, and then and then had enough, you know, respect, trust, respect and love, um, you know, to even, you know, really help the young kid out his freshman year. So that relationship and a lot of those things, you know, is is why we are where we are. Um, Talent obviously has a lot to do with that as well. Don't get me wrong, but I think we've got some really good depth. We've got some really good leadership. Um, and the thing we maybe is a little bit different than we have at the D-line is the backups at the D-line have got a lot of experience. You can roll true. what we did not do a good enough job last year was rolling anybody in in mostly in the back end and and more so at the corners where we did the year before. Uh, And I talked to them about that, and that that was because there was a bigger discrepancy between what we would say the ones and the twos, where on the D-line, you don't have a ones and twos. You have a 1A and a 1B you know, and, and, you know, so as good as those corners and, and those guys were, it made it more difficult to put some of the other young guys in and give them an opportunity um, because of how good those guys were.
0: Um, and, and coach Eliano, you mentioned uh, briefly there, another guy that came in first year in the program. And that is a difficult task for somebody as new to you and to the program as coach Eliana was to, to not miss a beat from coach Mickens and, and stepping right in and taking over a room uh, and not having any drop off. And in fact, seeing them improve. I, I thought, it, and I told him when he
1: came in, I said, this is a tough job. And he was probably looking at me like, what well, you, you got a really two really good, three, really good football. Players. <laughs> it's a, well, it's a tough job because you're coming in and taking over for a guy that they really trusted and, and loved. Um, you know, so Yes, you might have players, but sometimes it's it's a tougher job to you know engage the whole group and and build a relationship because you know when guys leave sometimes they are hurt a little bit especially when they've had as good a relationship as they did. And, um, as good of a coach as he is, he's even a better person and a better guy to develop relationships than he is a coach. Uh, and that's what I think has really shown with that group is you know it's not the easiest thing to step in when. You know, a guy like Coach Mick that that had that kind of relationship leaves, uh, and, and find a way to even get him to grow and play
0: better. Safety, uh, I liken it kind of to to losing Cortez and Cope in one year a little bit, right? Like it, you lose Wiggins, you lose Forrest. Uh, everybody knows James was kind of the 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 marquee, the guy that caught the headlines. If you've watched Cincinnati football over the last three years, Derek Forrest was without question the heartbeat. Uh, of that defense, you have two capable guys ready to go and Brian Cook and, and Javon Hicks, um, how tough is that going to be for them to make that transition from really good one B's to now your job is one a and go be as good as those two guys were.
1: Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, those guys were, were football players for us with James Wiggins and, and Derek, um, you know Derek really is what the culture of this program is. He came in he one with us, uh, and and really if you said, hey, well what's what's really the atmosphere, what's really the culture, what's really the you know, the, the environment like of, of your program. And I would say Derek Forrest is is what that is. You know, a guy that has worked incredibly hard to get where he has and, and nothing's been easy for him and nothing's been given to him. Um and now he's gone. So whether it was the heartbeat, he was the leader. He, he was, you're darn right. He was that for and probably for three years. Um, and then two guys walking in now, that obviously Javon Hicks has started for 12 games the year before when, when Wiggins yeah. was out and, and Brian cook, um, you know, had he not probably been hurt or gotten hurt, uh, you know, in camp last year, he probably would have played a lot more and then and, and played in the, the bowl game and played really, really well. And, uh, So I'm not going to say that they're going to outdo what anybody expects of them because I have an incredible expectation, but their connection together, their ability to communicate, um, I I think gives us an opportunity to even take it to the next level.
0: The question there, depth, um, how important for some of these young guys to step up and fill what were two important roles in Cook and Hicks last year because you had to use those guys especially down the stretch a lot. Um, there's a big opportunity there for guys looking to move.
1: There, there's no doubt. And that's, that's another one of those spots where, you know, like we said a corner and the development of those other guys, not getting opportunities this year, that could be the situation is those guys in the safety spots that, you know, if you're a one and you're a two, then there's not a whole lot of probably game reps that twos get, maybe they get some hopefully, but if you're a one, a and a one B, then there's a lot more and, and that's probably the discrepancy in that safety room. That's going to have to really, really got to work on. And, you know, that's not because the, 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 backup guys aren't good enough or don't, you know, don't have the ability, the ability of the guys in front of them just happen to be that good. And so the discrepancy, you know, is, is, is a bigger difference, not because the guys behind them aren't good enough. Just the other guys have got an incredible, uh, opportunities and taking advantage of them, and, and are where they are right now. So, you know the Jacob Dingles and, and um, a bunch of those guys. Are, there's going to be a lot this spring is a big, big time. Will Adams and those guys. This is uh, this is a big spring.
0: You, um, Coach Hitchler was in kind of in the running before Coach Scruggs stepped into that role to be the D line coach, and then moved to safety. You obviously have a ton of trust in him and he's another one of those first year guys last year that did an outstanding job.
1: And he had another tough job, especially in the, you know, in the sense that coach Tenuta was still here and around and there every day uh, makes it a hard situation. Um, but no, he, he hits good coach at any position. And we've been very fortunate to keep him here. You know, he was a quality control guy for I think three years, Yeah, uh, you know, and very well could have, had plenty of opportunities, could have left again this year for for a D.C. job. And, uh, you know, so he he has done a great job for us, has really kind of, you know, captured that room, um, you know, and and now he's got a challenge. The challenge is not getting Cook and and Hicks into it because, you know, he's got a great relationship with them. It's going to be now, you know, the challenge becomes what kind of development do you have in those younger guys and what kind of motivation can you do and can you get them to be 1Bs so that they get opportunities to play in games.
0: Uh, did you hear the nickname that James Smith had for Mason Fletcher on this podcast a couple weeks ago?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't, but I can't wait to hear what this might be.
0: He called him the Rake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not allowed to watch. Well, I should say. So he obviously has been over to my house a few times and he, what, how tall is he? It's like six seven plus. Well, I think maybe when he came here, we might have measured him at six six, maybe, bit, but I don't know that he's ever stood completely straight up. <laughs> right. I don't know that they had a whole bunch of weights over there. So now Coach Brady has got him almost where he's actually can stand straight up and his back can actually almost lock out. And he's over six seven already. He might be six eight. I don't know. We just have never been able to get his shoulder back and get his spine straight until we can get enough muscle in that back to, to
0: create it. He, uh, if you're looking for a freshman, that's going to play a big role. He's going to play a big role.
1: I would, uh, I would expect, that, and I hope that he's the, the one freshman that has to play a big role. And hopefully, you know, hopefully there aren't a whole bunch of other freshmen that, that are needed to play a big role because you know of the depth and the
0: things that we've got. Coach, that was uh, all fantastic stuff. Have, have you watched the Peach Bowl yet, or are you not? It's you're nope. just not going to watch it. Uh, Wednesday. You're watching it Wednesday.
1: Wednesday, because then we practice on Friday, so okay. I only have one day, you know. And we'll be in having big meetings on Thursday, so ready. you'll be mad. You'll be big mad no. on Friday. No, I'll be really excited to get back out there because I got to get it out of my system. So I have not watched it. I'll watch it on Wednesday. And uh, I've already got it planned. So.
0: And that's breaking news. Spring practice starts on fr- next Friday the 19th.
1: Friday the 19th.
0: Have you uh, done anything to make sure that I'm not going to be allowed to be there? Or are you looking forward to Wait, seeing we, my we smiling face? We've locked uh, the I doors. Figured, we're, I figured as much. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out a way that we
1: can keep all, all people out of the stadium if, if we do go outside because we have nice weather. It, uh, there'll be an APB on that. On that. I'm not sure. <laughs> if you get back down to that 145 pounds that you were telling me about from 10 years ago, we might not recognize you, and they'll let you in. But other than that, they'll be they'll be looking for you.
0: Thanks, coach. Appreciate the time, and uh, great talking to you. And uh, maybe I'll wave soon from a, a, a perch inside Nippert Stadium, hiding away <laughs> to check out practice. Good luck. Thanks. <laughs>